Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It is me, Mark, and this is episode seven of our Skills for Life National Apprenticeship Week celebration. And hopefully the videos and podcasts have been of some use to those as those of you who are looking to get into industry, or maybe already are. And I'm going to close this one up with a little segment on things to know. So there's lots of abbreviations and terms that you might see out in industry. Um, and to just really delve into what those are, the bodies and brands. We might have to be a bit rapid fire with this because we are kind of on that that 10 minute limit and we'll start right at the top with the cps providers so that's something you'll often hear referred to because most employers will be registered with one or the other there used to be more i think there is still more but the two primary runs are the nicic and NAPIT. so the national association of professional inspectors for inspectors and testers and the nic one escapes me for the minute but they're, they're the two um they have thousands of members in there it's basically um contractors who register with those bodies and they will come out and assess them against the UCAS standards. So there's a specific standard set up by UCAS to be um, a, a registered contractor with those bodies to do self-certification or Part P at a domestic sector. Traditionally, they used to be more trade association led, if you like, and they still sort of are. So they do um, nas- national networking meetings, if you like. So they'll have regional meetings where you can go along and attend and ask questions. Um, they will do their, their webinars and technical training. They will do their road shows where they go out and give CPD and, and, and knowledge. Um, they will raise issues in industry as well, so they kind of feed into the wiring regulations and such. And, um, yeah, competent person schemes. It's really there to um, help protect consumers and also for contractors to display a level of attainment, if you like. They do check your insurances, qualifications, come out and do an annual assessment, and all those kind of things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the CPSs. You're wondering what those are. Then there's the JIB, so the Joint Industry Board, and they often get misrepresented, I would say, in industry. And myself and Neil did a podcast with Andy Reeks from the JIB where we really tried to dispel some of that and explain exactly what it is that they do do. So if you want to go off and check that out, it's the Sparks Show um, with Neil Bridgman. Just go off and search that. It's only on audio now. It's not on, on YouTube, but there is that episode there. Um, where Andy really sets out what the JIB are. But in, in essence, they kind of mediate between Unite the Union and the, the ECA. So the ECA represent the contracting industry and the employers, if you like, and Unite the Union represent employees. And they kind of have a discussion to set out, among other things, what the, the rate is for JIB-registered employers to pay their staff as a minimum and some of the other benefits in terms of holiday and training um, and the JIB have a fund as well for people to go off and, and get training paid for as part of that. They do loads of stuff. It's it's not just as black and white and simple as that. Um, you will be familiar with the, the gold card primarily, and that's the ECS card that they kind of manage and look after, where you'll be graded based on your qualifications and experience. You can get an, uh, an apprenticeship um, grading card with the ECS, so it's not just a case of getting your gold card. There's black cards as well down the road when you go into to management positions and stuff. So they look after all of that. And um, yeah, worth checking out that episode. That's the Joint Industry Board. Don't just see the JIB rate and think, wow, that's not enough, what are they on about? Um, in terms of applying that to being an electrical contractor, setting a labour rate, excuse me, or um, being an agency spark, there are other benefits that come with that beyond all of that to do with healthcare, holiday entitlement, training, funds and such it's not as black and white as that and they're not the ones that actually dictate what that rate is they just mediate it so that's the jib the iet now they used to be the iee 
um, which was the electrical engineering sort of institute, and it's now engineering and technology. Um, you'll see their logo on the front of the regs books alongside BSI, so they kind of are on the JPL 64 committee, which is another one of those abbreviations that you may or may not hear, but that's kind of where the regulations get formed. So BS 7671, the wiring regulations are kind of built up in that pool, and the IET are a big part of that. You'll see them going off and doing their, their road shows as well with CEF um, and ELEX and things like that. They do their, their webinars and other industry training and initiatives, but they are way bigger than just the electrical industry. They're all over the place now to do with like rocket engineering and um, British aerospace and all that cool stuff. Um, they're not just uniquely kind of focused in on just the electrical industry. All your guidance documents are produced by the IET as well. So your GN1 to GN8, as I've covered before on the podcast, where it breaks it all out. There's some brilliant people who work for them. Um, you can do your professional registration with them. I used to be. I've subsequently left the IET for reasons that I won't go into here and now. But you can professionally register and go through that journey of being an engineering technician, then an incorporated engineer and a chartered engineer. You can be a member. Um, you can be a fellow of the IET as well for those who've done um, really important work in the electrical industry and get that recognised. Um, so, yeah, there's those aspects of the IET as well. So that's the Institute of Engineering and Technology. And you'll see that logo banded around. It's a big underpinning principle. Most of the books you'll be looking at um, and everything, but they kind of, they don't offer the wiring regs. That's often a misconception, but they're a big part of how those things are pulled together um, and produced. And the BSI um, are kind of with that as well. So BSI have all the documents for British standards. Um, and the wiring regs, BS7671, is one of those that you need to be aware of. So at the minute we're on the 18th edition. BS7671 is the electrical wiring regulations. Um, and yeah, you'll learn all about those through the course of your training and the underpinning of what that is. Um, but it kind of backs up, if you like, the electricity at work regulations. So that's your EWR 1989 and the health and safety side of things we spoke about the start of this kind of all build from that um, and what's in there and BS7671 supplements and supports that so it's a non-statutory document but it will be used I hate referencing the court of law side of things because it's such a lame way to try and get people to take note of something um, but it will be used as evidence in a court of law to back up some of the prosecution that might be taking place on the statutory document that is the electricity work regs 1989. So you need to be aware of those as things to know. Wiring regs, electricity at works. You've then got the the ECA and Unite the Union that we spoke about in that arrangement with the GIB. So you have your trade unions. There's not there's more than just Unite. So if you work on a site um, with a big employee, you may be part of a union and they kind of try and look after you as a pool of people where they'll negotiate salary, holiday entitlement, working conditions, uh, welfare facilities, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can pay to be a part of them and they'll represent you and make that case as a collective and a whole rather than you trying to do something at an individual level. Um, so there's that. And the ECA is the Electrical Contractors Association, so employers can kind of join them. And there's loads of benefits you can get through that. They do really help their members. There's lots of bespoke training that they just issue to their members. Um, there's ERAMs, which is an uh, incredible way to get access to documentation, that'll help you as an employer so there's, there's loads of stuff there and the, the ECA 
they are sort of affiliated and not with the NIC. There's this whole ownership structure of industry that gets a bit weird and complicated and some conspiracy theorists draw too many conclusions from that. But they are separate in their own right um, and they do some great work for industry. CPD, continued professional development, as we mentioned, that's the buzzword of industry at the minute. Since the Hackett report, actually, um, from Grenfell, it was determined that we needed to do a real levelling up of competence in all areas of construction, not just our industry. Um, I think the issue now is we've seen it devalued to such a level that CPD is so easy to attain, what it actually once was is no longer really relevant and it kind of makes it a little bit a little bit pointless. There is there's varying levels of CPD. I used to always consider CPD to be like doing your, your regs update course or doing your EV course, for example, or your inspection and testing. Possibly some some manufacturer-led stuff, but, but now we're seeing it, and this is no criticism of um, any magazines that are doing this, but yeah, a magazine article and reading it can be classed as CPD. For me, it just never is. Um, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but I do think we've gone too far on that road of making everything CPD, um, when really... You know, it's it needs to be a higher bar for it to have value, in my opinion. But yeah, you need to record it. Continued professional development. You'll go through that for your whole career. Um, just stuff you learn day to day. They say it's from reading manufacturers' instructions um, all the way up to doing an expanded course to develop your learning. One of the great resources of industry that I think is underutilised, and that is Electric Safety First. And Richard... Harvey and David Powell, who come on the podcast, work for Electrical Safety First, and they've given some key direction towards some of that stuff. The RAG, for example, is something that I've learned about through speaking with the guys, where you can ask questions of industry, and loads of different parts of industry come together to discuss and bat that around and give an answer on it. Um, and they also give the best practice guides, which are absolutely fantastic, great resources, and again, totally free. So that's the ESF, Electrical Safety First. They do work with consumer protection and stuff as well, which is, is great at that level, but I think if you dig past that as someone in industry and look at the best practice guides, look at the RAG, um, and don't be afraid of asking them questions. If you've got something you're wondering about and you've asked your employer and they've maybe gone, you know what, I'm not, not that sure. And you're thinking, well, where do I go? Do I, do I ask that question? In the, back in the day, we'd ask it on a forum. You might go off on LinkedIn and ask in a post, but you can, ask, you can ask the RAG and then you can have the input of their experts and people from the ECA, the NIC, the IET, and they'll... They'll back that around and they'll give you an answer. And there's loads of other prior answered questions on there already, so well worth checking out. Um, yeah, and it, it, it kind of all boils back down to safety at the end of the day with the things to know, I guess, is what I'm, I'm pushing at with this. So there are the, the bands and uh, brands and bodies that you will register yourself with or your employer will. There's the continued training you go to. Um, and you look at some of the industry figures and I've spoken before about the electric shock, and there were 13 deaths looking at the SuperOd report over a year-long period, so more than one a month from electrocution, which I find absolutely staggering in 2023. Um, and we do have a bigger issue in industry with health and safety from falls from heights, slips, trips and falls, and all of those things that we need to mitigate and reduce as well. Um, but basics of staying safe at work, lots of the health and safety stuff you'll have drummed into you from day one on your apprenticeship is not box ticking. It is not over-exuberance. 
it is something that is there for a reason because something has happened before. Somebody has been injured or died because that wasn't done. Um, so when you are working with electrical systems, make sure they are de-energized unless it is unrealistic, uh, impossible for them to be otherwise. There's proper terminology in EWR 1989 which sets it out more clearly, but I'm trying to keep this to a, a basic layman's understanding. You should only ever do it unless it's absolutely impossible not to. And you should have the skill, competence and processes in place to do it safely, even in those circumstances. So if you're a cable jointer, for example, out working on the grid. Otherwise, the power should be off and those 13 deaths need to be moved to zero. Um, some would call that an impossible goal. I don't think it is. And I think it's something that we should work very hard to get nearer to. Um, and hopefully the work that Superrod are doing in producing those surveys will help industry wake up to that fact that we've got a problem that needs to be properly fixed for good. I'm doing some work in the background that might make a difference, it might not. Um, but all I would say is to those of you who are entering industry right now is don't necessarily take on the bad habits of those who are there today. So if you see people locking a circuit off with some electrical tape, that is not locked off. If you see people buzzing a circuit out by cutting a cable with their croppers, that is not how you isolate stuff. Don't fall into those bad habits yourself and don't be afraid to call those things out and work towards doing it more safely. I know it's really difficult when you see your peers doing things to try and tell them, you know, that's nonsense, what you're doing that for. It's hard. I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's easy. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things to know of industry. There are still serious implications of when these things go wrong. Electricity is dangerous and all of that training you're going to get very early on in your career is not health and safety overburden. I think we do get a bit silly when you'll see um, people saying you need to wear your high-vis and a hard hat when you're working um, in someone's home, for example. There can be an over-application of PPE which devalues safety as a whole, so we've got to be careful of that as well. But the underpinning message around all of this, when you are working at height, when you are working with electrical systems, to be safe and go home to your family at the end of every day should be the number one priority. And I'd leave my a uh, little series of podcasts as National Apprenticeship of Skills for Life is to ensure that you have the opportunity to use them for all of your life by being safe. Don't shortcut yourself. Don't shortcut your family. Um, and put that at the centre of everything you do in your career. And I say that as an old-time spark who's done some silly things in the past thanks to bad practices. I was short, torn and shorn, taught and shown in the early part of my career. And I do try my very, very best to show the right way here um, while still allowing people to do their job properly. It's the whole argument of live electrical testing when you're carrying out ZS testing that I've been, been on and done to death with certain illegitimate training providers, I'm going to call them, uh, is, is silly as well. But yes, that's the end of our little series of podcasts. I've really enjoyed doing these. I hope they have been of some use. And again, it is just me sharing some of my experiences and knowledges through doing apprentice one-to-one -one, through helping trying to build up some of these apprenticeship standards and putting myself out there on youtube and social media sharing the things i do week to week and day to day um, and of having a small contracting business and knowing a few other electricians who have businesses and such as well and it'll be here forever now i shall leave this on youtube and on podcast until the internet is switched off and it's pretty much time um proof 
these things may adjust and tweak ever so slightly, but most of the principles have stayed the same for decades and decades. And I'm sure that will be the case going forward, so you'll be able to refer back to this and point people at it if it's of use to them. Be that um, careers advisors at schools or colleges or wherever your friends and family please do feel free to share this on as widely as possible. I'll do my best to give it a good shove out into the social media sphere through the course of the week. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. And for those of you who have commented and joined in, and if you have not caught sight of the giveaways over on Instagram or Twitter as yet, go off and check those out. That's Apprentice One to One on Instagram, electrician underscore 24 seven on Twitter. And the videos on Mark the Sparky YouTube channel showing the day-to-day working activities will be linked in the description as well. Otherwise, back with more regular content, the guys are coming back, chomping at the bit to speak about topics all across industry again very, very soon. I'm excited with some of the things we've been speaking about to do with the Apprentice One to One podcast in the coming weeks and months. And until the next time, we'll see you then. So you've been listening to the Apprentice One to One podcast and a huge shout out to our supporters and sponsors. And they are Team IMD, which is Proteus, Tamlex, Centaur, M2 and others in that group. LK Energy Switches and Controls, Modexsoft Electrical OM, Klein Tools and Superrod, Test Instrument Solutions, aka TIS, and the Installer Trades Installer Show Group. We massively appreciate that support and thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this week's show.